It is a book specifically for teenagers about achieving early financial independence. It's, it's a book that gives them new options and different opportunities and, and changes the mindset around what they can and can't do as far as their career and how long they have to work and, and everything that falls kind of under that umbrella. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo. And in today's episode, we are interviewing the author of First to a Million, A Teenager's Guide to Achieving Early Financial Independence. Dan Sheeks is here with us, and we're talking about the book that just launched. Dan, give us a quick overview as we begin to introduce you to our audience of this book and this launch and this process and where it's at today. Uh, well, first, Leo and David, thanks for having me on. Very much appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys and, and to your, your audience and your following. Um, yeah, the book launched, I think, yesterday, December 6th, and, and the workbook as well. Super exciting. It is a book specifically for teenagers about achieving early financial independence. And I'm sure we're going to dig into that quite a bit, but it's, uh, it's, it's a book that gives them new options and different opportunities and, and changes the mindset around what they can and can't do as far as their career and how long they have to work and, and everything that falls kind of in that under that umbrella. Yeah, I love it. Well, let me give the audience a little bit more uh, info on you. So, so just for everyone listening, Dan is uh, a high school business and marketing teacher. Uh, he's also a real estate investor and huge in the personal finance community. Uh, so first off, I, I want to give a shout out to the fact that you teach personal finance in high schools, the fact that you teach business in high schools, marketing in high schools. This is, this is the kind of stuff that I believe every high school in the country should be teaching kids. Um, and, and I think it's an elective now, but I honestly think it should be part of the core curriculum that's required. Uh, there should be some level of personal financial education that happens before a kid leaves high school. Uh, Dan, uh, Leo and I are so excited to spend time with you. I know that you've been involved in the FIRE movement. I know uh, that you're a huge contributor to the online community uh, at the Bigger Pockets podcast and uh, their whole online community they've got there. And I especially love what you've been building at Sheik's Freaks. Now it's Dan Sheik's. So Sheik's is S-H-E-E-K-S, Sheik's Freaks. You've built this incredible online community. Leo and I were talking with you a little bit earlier about how you've cultivated this, the forums, the websites, the apps. You've been using Slack as a backend way to build relationship and help people grow in their personal investments, in their understanding of finances. So we're just really excited to have you on the podcast today. I want to really communicate to our audience that Dan is walking this out personally. Uh, he's a real estate investor. He's, he's living well below his means. And, and so he's walking it out, but he's also building communities where others can learn and grow. And today we're going to talk about the book and ask a few questions. Uh, Leo, where do you want to kick it off on this first question? First, Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your family, and uh, why do you still teach? Uh, obviously, you have real estate investments and other things. There must be something behind what you do and why you do it. So we'd love to hear your heart behind it. Yeah, thanks. Uh my family saw, yeah, married, have have one kid, um, a seven-month-old son. His name is mm. Callum. Um, that's our only kiddo. And so we're we're eating that up because he's he's so awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's changed everything for us in, in more than one way and all for the better. 
Um, and we live in just south of Denver, Colorado in a suburb. And yeah, so I, I teach because I love it. Honestly, I've been teaching in high school for 19 years, uh, all in the public school system, all business classes, all electives. I have great kids and I have a great program. We're really blessed in that sense that I enjoy going to work every day. I get out of bed. I have a smile on my face. I love being at work. And, and really, it's because I love working with the students and the, and the teenagers that are in my program and in my classes at school. They are inspiring, honestly. I, I learn more from them than what they get from me. My wife was a public school teacher as well for 19 years. She retired a couple of years ago. She, in her journey, she was kind of done teaching um, and kind of burnt out on that career path. So we were fortunate that she was able to leave. Um, and now she focuses on our real estate portfolio and she, she works hard with that, but I still love my job. And so I still go to work every day and, and enjoy the time with my students. And, and, you know, and, until I stop enjoying that, I'm going to, I'm going to keep teaching. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's dive into some of that. Obviously there's a passion there and something that gives you purpose. And that's what, what we're all about. It's getting your finances in order so you can live your true life's purpose. And sounds like you, you both, uh, you and your wife are living that. And that's uh, very inspiring to hear. So how can we help motivate young people to care, care about, but also plan for their financial future? Excellent. Excellent question. I, and I get asked this all the time, you know, maybe worded a little differently. How do, how do I make my teenager want to learn about money or care about their financial future? And the short answer is you can't. Uh, as any parent will know, especially of a teenager, you can't make that kid do anything. Um, That's right. You can't make them clean their room. You can't make them mow the lawn. Uh, you can't make them care about this or that. And so what you can do is you can um, you know, kind of nudge their interest in a certain direction. But at the end of the day, you can lead that horse to water, but that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are things you can do. There's lots of amazing apps and programs and YouTube channels and social media to get young people interested in money, to introduce them to the different topics. But at the end of the day, it's really more of a mindset. Is that teenager, is that young person really going to take time out of their busy day? You know, they have their own interests and hobbies and and they enjoy watching Netflix or spending time with friends or sleeping. <laughs> Teenagers, Especially sleeping. They'll sleep three hours one night and, and 15 hours the next. I don't know how they do it. But yeah. uh, at the end of the day, it's more of a mindset. And so my mission is to let the young person know about all their options. And the book is one effort to do that. But they might read that book the day they get it. They may not read it for a year. They may not read it for 10 years. They may never read it but it's there. And at least if they're exposed to the idea that there is a different option than the nine to five till you're 65 day grind, then eventually, hopefully they'll come around and say, Oh, I want to know more about that now. Hmm. You sense that, uh, cause I know your group is somewhere between 15 and 25 that you're uh, trying to reach. So do you feel like the, as they get older, they're more interested maybe when they get closer to that 22 to 25 time range or does it really just depend on personality and, and maybe background and family content that uh, draws them to the subject? I would say it's more based on personality than anything. I have members in my group who are extremely active and engaged from all different ages, from all different backgrounds, from all different income levels, from all different ethnicities, mm-hmm. um, which is a good thing, I think, honestly. It, it really yeah. comes down to the specific mindset, personality of that young person and they're all different. That's great. So 
Uh, I remember in high school, I took an economics class and I remember economics being the class that everyone else in high school like hated. It was the hardest class according to everyone. Now, I think uh, some of the science classes were harder, anatomy and physiology. I think yeah. that uh, <laughs> I think algebra or maybe like advanced calculus was harder. But but for me, the economics class just clicked and I loved it and I got an A and it was something that almost everybody else got a B or C in. And I thought, why does the school not have more? Now, this is economics. This isn't even personal finance. This is this is the only course that my high school was offering that even got near to the ideas uh, of the philosophy of finances and markets and economies. But but at your high school, they actually have a personal finance class that you get to t- teach, a business class. So why is it that it's not more of a priority in our public schools? Because I remember that class, it really helped me even gearing up and figuring out what I wanted to do in college, which then helped me figure out what I wanted to do as I stepped into a full-time career. So why does our public school not make that a priority? And is there anything that we can do, the three of us and our whole audience at Getting Money Right, to help change that? (laughs) Uh, Wow, David, you're opening up a big can of worms with that question. Um, And I'll try to keep it short. So uh, there are actually a lot of schools nowadays that offer a personal finance class. The unfortunate thing is that the vast, vast majority of them, it's an elective. And that's true at my school. It's not a requirement. There are a few states, and kudos to them, and few, I mean less than 10, that have made it a high school graduation requirement. But even in my state in Colorado where it's not, there are some districts and some schools, again, kudos to them, who have said, this is important. We know it. It's a requirement. The reason it's not a widespread, and there are many organizations and individuals who are fighting to, to change that, but the reason that requirement isn't widespread, there's, there's more than one reason. It's not an easy thing to answer. But the reason why your economics class was there, and this is one of the components of the overall problem, is because economics fits into social studies. Mm. Social studies is one of the core subjects at a school. Mm. The core subjects are the ones that are tested and standardized testing, and schools are based on standardized test results. So mm. the people who have their jobs and the legislators that want to get reelected, they're mostly interested in test scores. And economics is one of the things that plays into those test scores. Personal finance doesn't play in at all. Um, and neither does any other business class. These elective classes are not tested on a standardized test. Mm. Um, and so they are left kind of as the black sheep along with many other elective classes about, you know, they're, they're just kind of left to fend for themselves. So they're not a high priority uh, when schools look at where, where are they going to be judged as far as are they successful or not? Hmm. Well, that's, I, I did not realize that that's a, uh, that's good insight to know. Uh, so it's not really a, a willing or almost a, an intentional one. We don't want to talk about this. It's more of how it's being graded and and what drives the policies and of course the funding of these schools. So that's so. Is there anything we can do to change it? Uh, do we need to hire put more people in the office yeah. that are more? I mean, is that no? I mean, I think you summed it up, Leo. To to answer it in a few words, the reason it's not a requirement or emphasized is because of politics and money. Mm. That's the sad part. Now, what can we do about it? There's absolutely things that we can do about it. The only way that changes is from the community, the families that the schools serve. They have to make the noise. 
Mm. I've tried to make noise inside the system as a teacher and I got shut down big time. If families advocate and insist that their children have access, you know, access if there isn't the class or that they're all of their kids are taking this, then the school board members, the superintendents, the legislators are forced to listen. So if there's one thing you can do, you being everyone listening to this and you want to make a difference, it's call or email your state legislators or your superintendent or your school board members and say, we demand that this changes because it is what's best for our kids. Our kids mm-hmm. need to know how to manage their money. That's how, that's how change is made. That's good. That's phenomenal. That's good. So let's go. We want to talk about your book a little bit more. Give us a bit of an overview of what what do you try to accomplish through the book? What are you covering? And what is your hope for the book? What do you hope that someone, regardless of age that they read, what would you hope that they gain out of it and how do they apply it? And then you also talked about having a workbook. How does that complement the book? What do you hope to accomplish through that? Mm-hmm. My, my mission, as it always has been, is to just inform students, teenagers, young people, that there is a different option than the typical American dream pathway of go to high school, get good grades, go to college, get good grades, get a good job, get married, have 2.3 kids, have the family dog, the white picket fence, work till you're 65, retire, and then you get to live the good life. That is one option and it's fine. But my mission is to say there are other options that mm-hmm. will get you to early financial independence decades before 65 if, if you want to. But here's the, here's the backup to that, Leo. I, I'm not telling anybody in my book, in my community, anywhere, what they should do. The book is about here's some information, here are some options, and then you, Mr. or Mrs. Reader, you get to decide what's best for your journey. What do you want to employ in your life? If you don't use anything from the book because it doesn't apply to where you're going and your goals, that's fine. Or if you use everything, that's fine. Or anywhere in between. Um, I mean, I, I know a guy who reached financial independence in his mid twenties. That's a big difference between sixty-five and there's four decades, forty years of difference in there. Someone should fit somewhere in those forty years, unless you want to work till you're ninety-five. I guess you could do that option too. But they get to decide once they have the knowledge what option they choose, what opportunities they want to take advantage of and make the most of versus only having one option and never knowing that there's anything else besides that one pathway. That's, I think, the the disservice that we do to our young people. I remember coming out of high school and I was raised in a, a nice middle-class area and went to a, a lower middle-income high school and then went off to college and ended up at Southern Methodist University, a, a really good business school here in Dallas. And I was surrounded by kids who, uh, maybe not every one of them, but I was in the business school. So at least 50% of them had learned about finances growing up and had learned about business management. And some of them had learned about real estate because their parents this is a, a pretty high-end college. Um, and I got in through scholarships, but I'm hanging out with guys that just knew way more than me. Um, I felt like I was way behind in basic personal finance and real estate and business management. And um, over the years, I feel like I've gotten to catch up. And that's part of the heart behind getting money right. And obviously your community, Sheik's Freaks. I remember I had a friend in college who bought a property while he was in college. So he's around 20 years old. 
And I'm interested, you know, what are the young listener who's listening today or the parent who wants to encourage their kids or nieces and nephews, what does the young listener do if they want to get started in something like real estate investing early, say around 20 years old? What are the things that they need to do to even be ready? Because I remember when my friend told me that he had bought a property over the summer, rehabbed it, rented it out. He went basically through the Burr method. And I, and I thought, I have no idea what you're talking about. I couldn't do that to save my life. I yeah. barely made it into business school. And I was proud of myself for making it into business school. And this guy's flipping yeah. real estate at age 20. What are yeah. some of the things that a kid can do to be ready at, at 18, 20, 22, you know, and beyond? <laughs> yeah. So that friend of yours who's 20 and, and buying a property, he's, he's one of the members that's in the Shakespeare's community today. I mean, we had young members yeah. who are buying their property, their first property at 19, 20, 18. Um, one of our members bought just bought his second property at age 20. 19 was his first one he house hacked. Age 20 was a vacation property. He, he partnered with it with another Sheik's Freak member. And so it's not hard. It is not hard to invest in real estate. It does not take a bajillion dollars. It does not mean you have to be an old dude who's super rich. And the proof is that it's happening all the time, even when back when you were in college, it was happening. And so the book really walks them through how to get the right mindset around that. Then the workbook tells them exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it. So that when the book, again, it's very flexible, that plan in the, in the workbook, the workbook gets them to buy that first property right around age 20. And it, it'll be a house hack property meaning they're going to live in it and rent out the other rooms or floors or units. Most people know, but maybe not everybody. If you're buying a primary residence, which this is, you can put as little as three to four or 5% down. And if a teenager starts saving money at 15, they will have enough money to buy that house act by age 20. And if they read the right books and surround themselves with the right people, they'll know how to manage it. And they'll, they'll make some mistakes. Don't get me wrong. There will be some big mistakes made. But that would just set them up for even more success on the next purchase and the next purchase. Not that real estate is the only thing we need to do to build wealth, but it's a big part of it, right? Or it can be. And so the workbook guides them through all the different parts, but definitely getting to that first real estate purchase. And I want to say, uh, Dan, that I follow you on Instagram and I want to give a shout out anybody who wants to go follow D Sheiks on Instagram, but you've got an incredible picture of your son and mm -hmm. uh, he is sitting between two different books on real estate, oh, yeah. one on house hacking and one called set for life. And, and it just, he's got a shirt on and I love this. It says future real estate investor. So I just, I love, I love that you've already got a plan and a process in place in your mind for raising your son to engage in this community at an early age and be ready to make those mistakes at an early age so he can learn and grow. It basically becomes a part of his education. Um, and if you're in college, that's what it was for my friend. You know, he's mm -hmm. learning uh, the Burr method while he's in college. And, and I just thought, how cool is that? So just props to you. And, and I want to encourage people to go check out uh, your Instagram as well. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the Instagram we have, we have TikTok and we have YouTube and, uh, and the app, the community that's in the app, all of that is about sharing the knowledge with young people so they can become your friend in college. who's was buying property at age 20. Um, not that they have to, but they now know they can if they wish to. 
What else do you guys do, do specifically try to accomplish through the community? How do you interact? What do you offer outside of just obviously conversations and, and connection? Do you have an actual, um, I'm sure you do, but what is your hope and purpose for this community? How do you interact and how do you help motivate them? The main benefit of the community is is a really simple one. It's about being around like-minded people. So, mm-hmm. you know, a Sheik's Freaks member is in there because they're young and they're they're highly motivated. I mean, th- these are the exceptional young people, right? I, I would mm-hmm. say five to 10% who just get it and they already have that mindset and they're super driven about their financial future. It's a small percentage. But because of that, they don't, in their own home circles, at in their community, they don't have really good friends that share this. It's like, David, when, when your friend was telling you in college about this stuff and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you probably walked away at that point. Your buddy needed a place to go to find other people he could talk to that were doing the same thing. That's what this community is for. So that's the number one benefit is they're around like-minded people. Whenever they want to be, they open the app and they're in there. They share resources. They share success stories, wins and losses. They, they hold each other accountable. We have several groups, which are kind of topics around 50. And so if you're really interested in wholesaling, there's a group for that. Cryptocurrency, there's a group for that. Earning more money, side hustles, there's a group for that. House hacking, there's a group for that. So they enter the groups that they wish. And then they're even they're around people who are very specific about what they, uh, their intentions and their goals. Um, we have a weekly Zoom meeting where oftentimes we have guests come on to talk to them about their experience. Um, pretty well-known guests sometimes people that these young people can then, my members can ask questions and hold conversations with and get expert advice from, from our guests. Um, soon we'll be launching what I'm going to call freak pods, where if they want, they can be put in a small pod of four or five. And it's going to be a, an intense personal weekly meeting over two months where they really get to know the members of their pod and they grow and the accountability level is much higher the uh, the access is much higher to each other, and they they use that core group to really drive them forward. And, and there's some other things we do in the in the community as well. It's always growing. We're at, trying to add new features all the time, but it's it's about being around like-minded people. That's really what it is at the end of the day. I know a core part of your investing strategy is uh, index funds and educating people on. Uh, basically modern portfolio theory and and why they should invest in index funds and have a retirement account set up and take, take advantage of tax advantage accounts. But I also know that another big part is the real estate side. So I love just a short intro to even how you got started on your first property that you chose as an investment with your wife, how you guys got into that, and then uh, maybe a short overview of how that's even grown into the number of units that you guys have today. Sure. Yeah. Um, my first property, as probably a lot of real estate investors, is a really bad example. It was before I met my wife. I bought a townhome to live in. I actually house hacked it before I even knew what that was. I had a roommate who paid me rent to live in the other bedroom, a friend of mine. But this is back in 2004, when pre the yeah. mortgage crash. crash. And they were giving away properties and mortgages for, for, to anybody. Now I had a full-time W2 job. I had, I was teaching. I was in my second year when I bought that house. So I was qualified, but even people who weren't qualified were buying houses. So I bought that property with an 80, 20 loan, meaning I did not put a dime down and it was interest only, meaning that I didn't chip away at the equity through uh, paying down the principal every month either. Like it was looking back now, like what the heck, what, what, what was that? How, how could they give a house to me? I had, 
I didn't have $10 to my name um, mm. to invest in a house, but it ended up working out. You know, I lived in there for about three years, transitioned it into a rental after I moved out, kept it for another six or seven years, sold it after the, you know, after the mortgage bust and the real estate market turned down, um, sold it for more than I bought it for. I, it took a while. It was underwater for a few years. Mm -hmm. I could have foreclosed. I didn't. Um, but that was my first rental property experience. For a while, I called it the worst financial decision of my life as I was sitting there $50,000 underwater. When I sold it for another 50 grand over what I bought it for, I thought, oh, that maybe wasn't so bad. Then met my wife. She had a couple of properties when I met her. And when we got together, which is also the same time we found bigger pockets, this is seven years ago, we got together and it was like, one plus one equals five. We're now off and running because we were of the same mindset. We both were sold on real estate. And so we've, we've improved our portfolio. Now we have 15 units. We are not interested in owning dozens or, or hundreds of units. That's not our plan. We may get to 20 and then we'll start paying down the mortgages and increasing the cash flow. And that's, that's our plan. Now we have other investments, right? It's not just real estate, but that's our goal. That's how it fits into our life. Um, but everyone's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that um, because you have a passion to teach, and obviously that's a not just your own uh, purpose and, and benefit to you, but it's obviously spilling over and helping other kids. So even with the launch of the book and the work and everything that you're not only doing in the classroom but beyond that, that's going to pay more dividends in helping uh, the next generation and really investing in people rather than yeah, you could probably you and your wife have the same mindset and. Uh, obviously are are not lazy people. You could probably go and get 100, 200, 300 units and build an empire. But you've looked and said, you know, I know it's right for us. And I love that because I think sometimes people think, well, I'll get into real estate, or I'll get in some kind of investing and, and make a killing and then I'll never have to do anything again. And that's such a wrong mindset to have. I mean, you don't ever get to the point where you don't do anything and have no purpose. Uh, that's a terrible way to live. Um, and, I, and, I, and I like that your personal story is, Hey, I could go in this direction, make a ton more money, but I like doing this because it's helping people. And this is what gives me purpose. And that's what makes me get up in the morning. It makes me happy. And I think that's a, that's a great testimony of what a, a good balance there uh, has to exist between making a good life, but also realizing that money will never actually define that fully. You have to have finances. You have to make, make sure you manage it well, but it's bigger than that. And you guys have figured that out. So. I'm glad that you're passing that on to, to others, especially younger kids as they're, because they can so easily be swayed by the wrong thing, a lot of money and the things that money can buy. Yeah. yeah. And Leo, you said a word that I love and, and that word was balance. And, and I think everyone is, they have their own pathway to learn how important balance is in their life. And we all make mistakes. I have made big time mistakes about being out of balance. There's so many different important pieces of our life. And when they're out of balance, our happiness suffers. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a chapter in my book that is called happiness. It's about the, again, back to the mindset thing in the beginning of the book, what makes you happy? Do you want to be happy? How important is that? And they literally have to write a list out. These are the 10 things that make me happy. When I'm doing these things, I am happy. Mm -hmm. Generally spending time with my friends, spending time with my family, taking my dog for a walk, traveling might be on there. And you have to understand that being successful isn't just about creating a large net worth or a high paying job or accumulating a lot of different, you know, nice cars and, and vacation homes. As a matter of fact, some would argue that takes away from your happiness. You need, you need enough to be safe and you need a little extra to 
have some fun. Mm -hmm. But after that, we're not interested in, in owning five houses and 10 cars and staying in the nicest hotels. Um, we're, we're fine not doing that stuff and saving the time and energy it takes to accumulate that and spending it on the things on our list, friends, family, giving back, traveling, going for a run in the park. Like these are the things that I want to spend more time doing because I do just want to be doing the things that make me happy. That's awesome. That's incredible. Uh, well, Dan, I'm looking here on Amazon at the book that's just released, uh, First to a Million, A Teenager's Guide to Achieving Early Financial Independence. And I even love one of the taglines on here. Hey, be a financial independence freak. Like, go after it. Chase this thing. So uh, if somebody wants to be an FI freak, a financial independence freak, where can they go to spend more time with you? Uh, where's the best place for them to connect with you and your community? And uh, I'm on Amazon. In my mind, that's probably the easiest place to get the book. But is there another place that you would point them to pick up the book and the workbook uh, and anything else you'd want to share to bring the audience towards you? Yeah. And actually, um, the place they, that I would recommend getting the book is directly from Bigger Pockets, And the reason oh, why great. is because they, they have bonus content available, which is pretty valuable that Amazon and other places don't. So biggerpockets.com slash teen, or just find their bookstore. You'll find the book. It's not hard to get there, um, but there's bonus content. They buy the book from, from bigger pockets. Um, they can also buy the book and the workbook from bigger pockets and get a discount. Now to find, find me in the community, you just go to sheiksfreaks.com and you're going to see at the top of the page, uh, a link to join the community. They click on that. They'll, they'll learn all about it. There's testimonial videos in there. There's a free membership level and there always will be. And there's also a paid. The free membership level still has a lot of value, but if they want to try the paid one out, it's a seven day free trial. So it's pretty risk-free and it's only a hundred dollars a year. And it's not like it's going to break the bank, but they can find the community, just sheiksfreaks.com. This is great. And I'm here on biggerpockets.com, the teen section. And, and I absolutely highly recommend that that's where people go to pick up the book. So very cool. Thanks, Dan. Leo, anything else you want to add before we close it out? No, just a thank you, Dan, for taking the time to, to be part of this and just introducing our audience. And of course, those in their families that, that fit this demographic that you're speaking to. And we just we think that you bring a lot of value to our listeners and of course, uh, their family members. And and so thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, we We appreciate the partnership of just having you on and sharing these resources and pointing people because there are those that won't fit the, the typical American dream of, of following the crowd. And, and I'm all for inspiring those to, to not feel like they need to fit the mold, that they can be freaks if that's, if that's what they need to be in order to be successful and have the kind of lives that you and your spouse are having. You're making a difference. And, uh, and I'll love to see that repeated and, and multiplied. So thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thanks for having me guys. And a couple quick more things. Uh, the book makes a great stocking stuffer. So anybody out there who knows a teen or if they are grab the book as a gift. And great then idea. if someone does want to join the community and wants to opt in for the paid membership, when they're checking out, there's a place for a discount code. If they enter getting money, right. All one word, they'll get a nice discount on the paid membership for the first year. So getting money right, all one word, all lowercase, and they can get into that the first year of the community for a, for a lower price than, than what we normally charge. Very cool. Now, is there an age limit to that? 
as far as, uh, you know, you might have something that's like 26, 27. <coughs> is there an age limit as far as joining the, the group? There isn't a limit as far as upper end. Um, I think our oldest member is 25. On the lower end, they have to be 14 or older. Okay, very good. Good to know. All right. Well, thank you, Dan. Appreciate you being here. Um, thanks for taking the time. We, we do really uh, cherish this time and appreciate uh, you sharing the value to our listeners. You bet. Thanks, Leo and David, for having me. I had a blast. Keep on doing what you're doing, by the way. Keep crushing it. This is, I think we're both fighting the same fight here, right? We're no doubt. spreading knowledge that helps people live better lives. So I appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, and thank man. you, our listeners, for uh, being part of this podcast and listening. If you enjoy this podcast, first and foremost, please visit uh, Dan's website, shakesfreaks.com. Learn more about what he's doing. If you have a nephew, a niece, a child, a daughter, a son that needs to be part of this, this is a great resource. Uh, definitely purchase the book, the workbook. Give them something that will help them walk this out. One of the things that Dan shared about the workbook is that the reason he did the workbook is because there were kids who were saying, hey, I understand what you're saying, but can you give me like a checklist that I can follow, some process that I can follow to engage with this? That's where the book, the workbook came about is to just give a very systematic way of approaching this and applying this and, and, and really just setting them in a way so that they can actually do it and check it off and, and have a guide. So definitely check that out. Take advantage of this. This is such a great resource that I wish we had when we were growing up. And if you're listening to this, you're probably shaking your heads like, yep, I wish I had that. So take advantage of it and uh, check him out. And if you enjoyed our episode and enjoyed getting money right, the best way that you can support us is by just sharing this podcast, leaving us a review, letting more people know that this show exists so that they can benefit as well. Thanks for being with us. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Getting Money Right, where we're going to do what, David? So that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. Awesome. See you guys <laughs> next time. You have to understand that being successful isn't just about creating a large net worth or a high paying job or accumulating a lot of different, you know, nice cars and vacation homes. As a matter of fact, some would argue that takes away from your happiness.